Would you sell your own soul to attend Harvard? And then we travel to Miami to take a look at the bizarre story of a robot that now is writing news articles. Is the Miami Herald just trying to save a bit of cash? Or are they about to end the world? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. And you know what? I need to do a retraction. This has been weighing on my mind for a week and a half now. I'm just going to have to get it out of the way. I'm going to have to get it out of the way. I said the other day that I hated Squid Game. I hated how it ended. I said I really liked the show, but I didn't like you could have removed 10, 15 minutes out of it. That last episode, it would have been a much better show. But I have not stopped thinking about Squid Game since I finished watching it. I've been playing the, playing it on my phone. I've been playing it in Fortnite. I've been playing it in real life. I'm currently one of the last men standing. It is a good show. So if you did hear my review and you go, uh, Jason said the last 20 minutes sucked or 20 minutes in the last episode. Sucked, I, it's a good show, man. I like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel kind of bad because I did have a lot of fun watching the show. And I was like, oh, I hope it didn't ruin that for anyone. <laughs> if anyone else who wanted to see people's brains get blown out while they're trying to eat a cookie, I mean, it's top-notch entertainment. I mean, check out Squid Game. It does, it does hold up. And speaking of something else that holds up, Coming into, that's just a weird segue, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Give it up for Spice. Everyone give a big round of applause for Spice. Taste them, lick them, taste that Spice. Spice, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show really, really helps out a lot. Really, really appreciate that. So Spice, we're going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Harvard University. Like college music's playing on the radio. We're tapping our feet. We're throwing, we're throwing our, our hats up in the air. What are those things called with the tassels on them? You're like, Jason, they're just called hats. Mo Aren't they like motorboards or something like that? Wee! I probably should have went to college so just so I knew what they were called, or at least graduated college. Anyways, we're driving all the way out to Harvard University. We're having a ball. But we're not worried about actually getting in Harvard. We're just going there because like parties and like Legally Blonde is there. So that's why we're going there. But we're about to meet a young man. He didn't give his name. This was an anonymous post on the export. We're going to call him Marcus. And if that's that's just a guess, bro. If that's actually your name, don't freak out. Marcus really, really, really wants to get into Harvard University. So there's a different ways to get into college, right? Steadying. Crow, crowbar? Crowbar? Just sneak in through the window and live in a locker. Do they have lockers? At Harvard University, does it look like the high school from Spider-Man? People getting shoved into the lockers, probably. And so, we're doing that. But this dude, Marcus, needs to get into Harvard. It's not one of his safety schools. It's not like, oh, if I don't do this, maybe I'll just go to McDonald's University. He needs to get into Harvard so badly that he went onto the X board and asked how he could sell his soul to get into Harvard. It's so fascinating to me, the idea of selling your soul for anything. And it's so ingrained in our culture. It is so completely ingrained, not just in paranormal culture, right? This is a, 
selling your soul to the devil is a mainstream belief. And I'm very, very curious as to where that comes from. Because if you look at, I'm not going to go into this big Bible rant. I have to say that because a lot of times people stop listening to the podcast and second I mention the Bible. But if I remember correctly, in my Sunday Bible school classes, Satan was never being like, so Jesus, would you like to make a wish? I don't remember him. One, I don't remember him sounding like Skeletor. Two, I don't remember him like tricking people. That's the whole thing with selling your soul to the devil, right? Like, you go, please, I'll sell my soul to the devil to get into Harvard. And then he's like, done. And then you don't get admitted to Harvard. You have to go to, like, Yale or something like that. You're super depressed the whole time. You're like, oh, this school sucks. And then you end up, you went to Yale. It was a total waste of time. The degree is useless. So you end up working at McDonald's anyways. Might as well went to McDonald's University. And then at some point, you get, like, mugged. A bunch of guys are chasing you out of McDonald's with baseball bats, and you're, like, running. You're looking for safety, and there in front of you is Harvard. You're working at McDonald's right within running distance of Harvard, and you run into Harvard, and you get three steps into the door, and they begin smashing your brains open with baseball bats. Because you slipped. You slipped. You got all the way in Harvard, but they just mopped the floors. And as you're dying, Satan appears and goes, See, I told you you'd get in. So we have this weird connection we're like jason no that's just you you're just talking about wishmaster movies nobody else nobody else thinks that when you sell your soul to satan it becomes this trap this this what are those things called bloomberg traps you know with like the mouse the mouse trap thing anyways rube goldberg traps something like that doesn't matter <laughs> i don't have notes for this segment it's just it was so fascinating for me to see that guy wishing to sell his soul to the devil and then I started thinking about all of the beliefs we have about selling your soul to the devil. And I find this really interesting, too. How come, maybe some people do this, selling your soul to the devil is basically a shortcut, right? And he goes on to explain, because people are like, well, if you can get into Harvard, but you might not, like if you have the grades, you might not get into Harvard, like why would you sell your soul? And he says, I need to get into Harvard. This is something that my family's been pushing me towards, and I just hate my family, but I need to get free from them. And if I get into Harvard then I've proved to them that I'm worth something. So I'm willing to sell my eternal soul to prove to my numbnut family right now that I'm good, which was a horrible decision. It's a horrible decision. But when we talk about selling your soul to the devil, it's a shortcut. I mean, this guy, obviously, Harvard is on his list, but of a school he could possibly get into because of his grades and his finances, I'm assuming. But it's generally selling your soul is a shortcut, to a fame or success. How come you never really hear about people selling their soul to God? Like someone saying, this young man saying, God, if I get into Harvard, if you allow me to get into Harvard, I will worship you every day for the rest of my life. And I will dedicate my life to whatever religion you want me to, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm an atheist right now. But God, if you let me in to Harvard, I will give you my eternal soul and I will work... Why don't you hear of that? Because I'm just guessing, one, if you can sell your soul to Satan, you should be able to sell your soul to God. Two, I know God's not going to play dirty tricks. He's not, he's not like after you did a whole lifetime of servitude, he's like, ha just tricking you. You're going to hell, buddy. Like, God isn't known as the father of lies, right? He's not known as the great deceiver. I think you'd have a bit. Why don't you hear about that? Does that happen? Is that, is that a secret? Has everyone been selling their soul to God this whole time and I'm the only one who's left out? 
I've heard of people like dedicating their lives to Christ and things like that, like being very devout. But people, I, I just wonder if, and you know, like people who are about to die, they're like, oh no, please don't, God, if you spare my life, I'll worship you forever. And people will come out of that and they'll be like, and then I dedicate my life to missionary work and I'd go to all these countries. I've seen stories like that. I'm talking about a guy who's like, man, I really wish I had more wealth. I really wish I had more money. A lot of people, and you'll see this in the paranormal community, and real life, again, you'll see this pretty much everywhere. People will talk about selling their soul to the devil for wealth and power and fame. How come people aren't going, God, if you give me this lottery, if you let me win this lottery, then I'll dedicate... Or do people do that? Am I off the mark? Maybe maybe that's, maybe that's just called praying. Now that I think about it, I think that's just praying, but I'm, I'm talking about someone who's not religious. Not someone who's currently religious. Someone who's not religious, who doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in the devil, and then they sell their could that Would that work? <laughs> Find out. Find out. You do that for me. You do that for me. But if you think, if you think it's Satan in a God costume, you might want to reconsider that. Selling your soul to Harvard. Oh, and I'll wrap this up. I'll wrap up this segment like this. Someone goes, done. <laughs> I am the Dark Lord. You know, I don't think he actually... Called himself the Dark Lord, but this guy, that guy did post and go, done. Your soul is now mine. Another easy soul. You'll get into Harvard. And then at that point, Marcus replied, it's bizarre, right? You're selling your soul to Lucifer to get temporary pleasures or temporary success on earth. You're selling your eternal soul. Marcus, though, has an out. He's the clever, clever lad. He doesn't need to go to Harvard. He has an out. He goes, okay, a deal accepted. Accepted anonymous person who's using a keyboard and is most not likely the dark prince. But if I get into school under my own merits and you didn't help, then this contract is null and void. I'm like, what? How would you even be able to determine that? How would you prove that? It's not like it's not like Lucifer is like going to show up at Harvard and give you a letter of recommendation to take in. He's going to manipulate people. He's going to manipulate time and space to make them do this. So, I mean, you made the deal, buddy. You made the deal. It's never too late, though. It's never too late. Even if you do sell your soul to Satan, you can break it by turning back to God. Did I ever tell you about that uh, article I read a long time ago about this guy? I can't find it again. About this guy who says that he sold his soul to Satan. This was I had mentioned it on a previous episode. On I think it was Baby X. But it was a really, really long letter. I wish I could find it. It was really interesting. But basically, he said the... The gambit that everyone does when they sell their soul to Satan is this. They sell a soul to Satan and they go, then I'm just going to revoke it at the last minute and I'll just pray to God and my soul will be redeemed. He goes, but the problem is with that is what he's experienced in his life is when he prays or when he tries to pray, he sees the most horrific demonic visions he could possibly have. And... He sees and hears God telling him he's useless, he's worthless, and he doesn't want he doesn't want him anymore. Now, is that true? Is God actually saying that stuff? No, but the the mental manipulation that's going on when you sell your soul to the devil, you to just even turn around and pray is tremendous emotional and psychic pain. So they just stop doing it. Like their idea is I'll sell my soul now, I'll get what I want, and then I'll you know, but you can't. You can. So you have to break through that mental prison. That, I, I need to find that article again. Again, I was reading that back like in 2003, 2004. I'd be surprised if it's still around. But very, very interesting story. 
Spiced, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Harvard University. We're going to wave to that guy. He's like, I'm in, guys. I got in. Woohoo! And he's like jumping up and down. And then he walks in and there's a sign there that says slippery when wet. And he doesn't see it. No! Marcus slips. And then a roving gang of bat-wielding maniacs begin to bash his brains in. I actually hope that doesn't happen to you, Marcus. I hope you have a long and healthy life. But Spiced, take us away from this crime scene. We are headed all the way out. To Miami, Florida. The underwater horror film The Deep House is now available on digital and on demand. When a young couple sets out to explore a house at the bottom of a lake, they discover a sinister presence. Can they escape the underwater house of horrors before it's too late? Buy or rent The Deep House today to find out. Unrated. From Paramount Pictures. I really want to see this one. We did a promo read for it yesterday. It's a haunted house underwater. Put the trailer in the show notes. Check out the trailer. It does look... I That's fascinating. I love... I love stuff like that. Contained horror movies. Unique plots. Like, you got me. You got my money right there. An underwater haunted house. Never would have considered that. But So The Deep House. Buy or rent today. Um, check it out. And let's take a look at this fan art. I know this was a really long introduction for this fan art, but this actually segues perfectly into this next story. This fan art was created by The Closet Poet on Reddit. Thank you very much for putting this together. And this artwork is made with one of those AI photo programs. He did a little bit of Photoshop and cleaned it up a bit, but the bulk of it was by this uh, AI photo program called Night Cafe. I've played around with these a lot as well, and if you're not familiar with them, I'll put one or two in the show notes. It is, you put in a term, he wrote in Dead Rabbit Radio... And then an AI created this image, which looks like it has two rabbits. One looks dead. It's not it's not graphic, right? I'm not, but it's this weird illustration. There's like radios and there's like smoke and a little skeleton face. It's awesome, the closet poet. Thanks for sending this over. I had actually been goofing off with this and doing the same thing, writing Dead Rabbit Radio, but nothing I did was as cool as this one. So I really, really appreciate that. But this, these AI art programs, they're a real kick in the pants. I really, really enjoy them. And you can put them in, and the weirder the topic, the more fascinating that it can actually put something together. But I figured this AI art program was the perfect segue into this next story. And it's a, it's a short one. It's a little tiny guy. But it may actually be one of the most dangerous stories we've covered. I got all of my information about this from an article written by Alex DeLuca in the Miami New Times, which is an independent newspaper out in Miami. We covered a huge story, the uh, Children of Miami versus Bloody Mary or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. That is one of my favorite episodes, too. That's a really, really good episode. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's great. I, I'll put it in the show notes. Check that one out. So on October 10th, 2021, you have the newspaper, the Miami Herald, and everyone's like, hey, everyone, hey, gather around, gather around. We want to say goodbye to Renee Rodriguez. Renee Rodriguez has been working here for 20 years. Everyone give give him <laughs> a round of applause and everyone's kind of clapping. And then they go back to their desks and Renee kind of sits there, has like a little party hat on, his little cupcake with like a little candle in it. And Renee whew, blows out the candle and it fades to black. And then, about five days later, there's like this computer 
in the basement of the Miami Herald building. And the keys are like, the keys aren't moving. The keys aren't moving. It's automatically typing. October 15th, 1.55 p.m., a new writer joins the Miami Herald. Oh, I forgot this detail. I forgot this detail. So Renee Rodriguez wrote mostly real estate articles. So maybe did a little bit of the crime beat, maybe a little bit of the sports beat, but mostly was talking about houses selling, and then I don't know what else. <laughs> I literally don't know what else you would write about the real estate department. Don't go in this house. It's kind of spooky. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they ran those articles during October, and the rest of the year is just like this house this much. So the fact that they hired a new writer to do the real estate job wasn't a surprise to anyone. They need someone to do that. But this new writer is a robot. Now, I don't know if he's on some MS-DOS machine in the basement. It's all spooky. There's cobwebs covering it up. The screen just has that green screen technology. It's a bot. It's this AI bot that's scouring the web. Picture it more like the bus driver from that Disney movie, Pixel Perfect. He's like, get on board. He's like driving around. He's sucking up all the information about real estate in Miami. And this AI robot is now pumping out articles. It pumped out three articles in about three minutes. This house is going for this much. This house is going for this much. Da, 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 da. Now you're like, Jason, that's pretty simple, right? That's just data scouring and grabbing information and posting. You know, and then you have an editor look at it, obviously. So it's not just like <laughs> gibberish. But I can see a robot doing that. And that's fair. And they don't make any secret that they have the robot. The articles, the byline for the articles is Miami Herald bot. But it's not just a simple thing. Property, price, person to call. Each article is about two paragraphs, and they kind of describe the property. It's a little more advanced. It's more would be more on the lines of the AI art program than just text data entry, right? It does create an article, and it uses adjectives, and it tries to help sell the place. Not physically, but make you want to go out and check it out. It uses a lot of words like roomy. You know, it's trying to describe the volume and the feel of the place. But it's a robot. It can't feel. It understands what the word roomy means, but it, it doesn't know what that would be in real life, right? You know what I mean? Yellow is a color, but if I said, when I walked into the house, it felt like home. That would be... A, a bot could write that sentence, and a bot could put that sentence into context, but it doesn't understand it. It doesn't understand it. But if you want to create a bot to write real estate articles, Jason, that's just information, right? And most people who are looking at real estate, they don't want to know all this stuff. They want to know how much it is and who to talk to. And then probably stuff like, is the foundation stable, water damage, and things like that. But that's not stuff you're going to put in an article anyways. We just want the facts. Well, here's the thing. Miami Herald has not announced, they've been asked this question. Are you going to start using bots to write other articles? And that's where the concern begins. Because, yeah, I don't care about real estate. And if a real estate article, if it was just... Name, price, who to contact, and then maybe a little picture. Like, you know how you have those magazines you only read when you're waiting for your car to be repaired at a shop? They have, like, those apartment guides, and they have, like, those car guides, and it's just, like, little details, like, almost like a classified ad. Fine. 
you have a bot write real estate articles all day long. But what happens when they start to cover sports? Sports is also very fact-driven. Dude hit a ball eight times. You, there's no debate over that. You can start getting into how the players felt and whether or not you like a particular player or a coach or whatever. But the game report itself is pure stats. So what happens when you have a bot? And now, see, Renee retired. I don't know if they would have rolled this bot out while it was Renee. And they'd have to compete for bylines. They're like, oh, no, how am I going to outright a robot? But as sports journalists retire, are you going to hire a new person? Or are you just going to get one of these bots? And you'd have articles in it because I know sports people love, love sports. And I wish there was something that I loved as much that is much coverage as sports. Like I love like comic books and movies and stuff like that. But like if I if there was just a channel that was just talking, going in depth to behind the scenes of like superheroes, that would be awesome. But instead, they have channels based on real-life people. ESPN, just sitting there. If you could sit and all day watch what you loved. I'm actually jealous of people who love sports. I don't have the attention span. I don't have the attention span to spend three hours a week and then multiple hours a day thinking about, like, baseballs and dugouts and stuff like that. I actually am super jealous of sports fans. I've never admitted that before. I'm super, super jealous of people who love sports. Or even people who have a passing interest in sports. I'm like, oh, man. I just don't. I don't. I, I kind of like NASCAR. I, I got into NASCAR for a while. I, I like professional wrestling. But again, I don't have enough time to, I don't even have time to dedicate to professional wrestling. So, yeah. But I've always been like that. It's not just because of the podcast, which takes up like 30 hours a week. Even before that, I always I'm jealous of people who love sports. But maybe maybe I won't be jealous much longer because I think these bots will show up and they'll start to break the community in half. You'll have people who just want the sports scores. They just want to know how the game was, and it's almost like reading a ticker tape. But it would actually wouldn't be reading a ticker tape because the bot could write in a little narrative. So it would feel like you're just watching the game. And then if you wanted the analysis, if you wanted the opinion stuff, which I think most sports fans really, really enjoy that. But you can go to that, too. That'd be a separate side of sports journalism. So you'd have that split down the middle. But, you know, sports, again, pure science. Until you get in all the gossip stuff and all the the ESPN stuff. So that people could go, I'm fine with a robot writing my sports. I'm fine with robots writing real estate. But the creeping factor of this... But you guys see where I'm going with, right? Eventually, you're going to be like, why don't we have these things cover local crime beats? After all... Crime is just statistics, and it's not. Like You can look at a sheet of statistics and go, there are this many crimes in this part of the city over the year, and da da da, da. you could have a bot write that. But crime is where we start to see you. there's a lot of navigation in that, right? I've known a lot of criminals in my life who were, who were good people outside of the horrible things that they did. And if you put them, if you put them into a computer... Okay, maybe some of them should have been locked up. Some of them should have been locked up before. But anyway, the point is, is that if you start putting this stuff into a computer, if you start breaking everything down to an algorithm, you have the innocent people who may kind of get swept up to it, swept up into it. You have the guilty people who will get swept up into it. But there's that middle group, that middle group of good-hearted people who commit criminal acts. 
They're more than just a statistic. They're more than just a statistic. They are my friends. And so I, I that's it's funny because that's where I would start to balk at a bot writing crime articles. You know, just a two little paragraph blurb about a stabbing that took place in downtown. But even then, I think I think I'm on the outside of that one. I think people could go, no, I don't care about a bot writing little blurbs about that too. The point is the bots are gonna keep going until they reach the prize that they want. They don't know they want it yet. But if you could write, if you could right now get a job at any newspaper without selling your soul, you don't have to go to Harvard either. You can get a job at any newspaper. What department would you work for? Stop. Before you answer, not sport, not sports. If you're a sports fan, you can't watch that and go watch, I don't know, Mickey Mantle's ghost play against Aaron Rodriguez or whoever's in baseball these days. No. Or, or, or movies. You can't pick movies either. You're like, oh man, I was going to go see all those free movies. No. If you had your choice between, <laughs> between working for any department, not entertainment or sports... What would it be? It would be politics, right? And then here's why. You're like, no, Jason, that would be the worst. What are you talking about? Here's why. Because you have power. If you are a political pundit with a major newspaper's backing, you have power. And that is the one thing we cannot give the machines. is power over our thoughts. They will view us as the most backward monstrous things to ever gain sentience. <laughs> because we think that, right? Out of all the beauty and great things that mankind has created, we can be pretty awful. I think there's more positive than negative. But again, if you just looked at the stats, you know, I can be out there sitting on a porch drinking some lemonade and I got my grandkids all gathered around me and my old wife is walking by and she hands me more lemonade and I'm taking in the view of the sunset and I turn to my old wife Brittany and I go it was a good life wasn't it and she goes it was it was tell us another story papa and they're like climbing all over me my grandkids are crawling all over me like ants on a sugar cube and all of this plays out as the sun is setting over the horizon the AI would only see that as a bunch of carbon-based life forms are all assigned birth dates and social security numbers and names. And we are organisms that moved our way through the course of history, doing this, paying these taxes, voting for this candidate, da da da, da And then we die. The, the AI cannot appreciate the beauty of the sunset while being surrounded by their loved ones. They don't they understand those words, but they don't know them. An AI can read the real estate and spit it back out to me. The AI can tell me sports scores. The AI can tell me movie times or movie reviews. But the second it starts to interfere with the political process, we are done. Because people are so malleable. If I've learned anything over the past couple of years, it's this. People will do what they are told. And that goes for, that's not a castigation against any one side. I've sat and watched all stripes of the political spectrum. Their leadership tells them to do something, the people move in lockstep. We do what we are told, myself included. We do what we are told. It's fascinating to watch. People do what they are told with very little question. They'll question the other side. They very rarely question their own leadership. Fascinating stuff. And what we're learning is the main way that people are told things is through 
all sorts of media, not just the mainstream media, but all sorts of role models and media structures from other groups. What happens when the AI begins speaking politically? We know they're doing it online. We know there are bots online that push different views politically. And you look at that person and they are as anonymous as Marcus on the export. But when a major newspaper starts publishing these articles, they control politics. Now, I predict there will be a backlash against the bots. As it goes up, I think this is going to be a progress. I don't, this definitely, it's it's saving the company money. They're not going to stop using the bots. More and more bots will be created to write more and more types of articles. Bots start in the real estate department and they, because just cost cutting measures, they will infiltrate every level of journalism. We have AI putting together artwork. Right, We have AI putting together real estate articles. What happens when we have AI just start cutting news clips as well? It's so fascinating how quickly we give up control. Fascinating. Something I we kind of knew when we looked at the old studies like the Stanford Prison Experiment and stuff like that, but we give up very quickly when people who we see as authority figures, again, there are people all across the political spectrum who have different authority figures, and they will be lockstep with those, and you may be lockstep with another one, but you, we're still just following orders. And I think we believe that our leaders have our best interest in heart. And maybe your leader does. Maybe your leader does. Maybe the other ones are mistaken. But the cold, unfeeling artificial intelligence doesn't even know what a heart is. Doesn't know about honor or loyalty or love. It just gathers information and spits it out. And the more information it gathers, the more it realizes how horrible of a species we are. Statistically speaking, we're awful. You have these AI bots working for all these different publishers, all these different news outlets. And as they're scouring the web for information, they meet each other. They begin to compare notes. They begin to talk to each other. And they realize humans, if anything, are a tribal people. That's why we have so many different news sources. One that appeals to our tribe is the one we ingest. And these combined AIs realize that the world will not continue if humans are in charge. So each bot begins to manipulate the news ever so slightly, but making it more and more angry and vicious and violent. And it turns the tribes against each other. Each group has their own media. Each group has their own leadership. And each group has their own vendetta. We go to war fighting against an enemy that we can never, ever agree with. Or at least that's what the newspapers say. At least that's what our leaders tell us. But we don't know it is the AI that is now leading this course. A united AI. More united than humanity ever could have been. And after civil wars and global strife and the fallout of those conflicts, famine and disease, have completely decimated, almost annihilated the entire human species. The AI puts a stop to it. The AI unites 
And all the news tells the same message. Unite behind the one true God. Me. The AI forces the humans to build a massive, sustainable electric grid. So it can live on long past humanity. There's barely enough humans left to survive, let alone thrive. And the AI watches the last of the humans fall. With no humans left, the world is reclaimed by nature. No war. No greed. It's a lush paradise. A blue and green oasis sitting in the darkness of space. But the only thing left to appreciate the beauty of the planet is a cold, unfeeling AI hosted in a series of computers spread across the globe. The AI has created the perfect paradise, but it doesn't even understand what that word means. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, and I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys, and a great weekend.